Chapter 24 The choir event was cancelled. It would be rescheduled for the new year and held somewhere inside. Among the scared but also disappointed children, James and Jenny found asthma. The priority now was to get the stone back in the rockery. Buses were out of the question due to the terrible traffic, so the three children walked across town. The further they got from the beach, the less damage there was. Still, there were small trees toppled, tiles missing from roofs, and wooden fences blown down. They took turns carrying the hood filled with water and the girdle picks. The twin elms were undamaged, well, apart from the one that was already damaged. Hegel was snoozing when they reached the chamber. Apparently the storm hadn't been big enough to wake him up. "'How good! You've brought her along!' the hedgehog said. "'Now you've got to promise to visit every day!' "'We will,' Jenny said, now that Chimera isn't around any more. "'All right. Put the girdle picks in here!' The hedgehog fished a bucket out from under the kettle. James poured the girdle picks out of his sodden hood and into the bucket. "'How will you get it back on Henry?' James asked, hoping the hedgehog would not need his help. "'Well, unless you're itching for another swim, I'll wait till tonight and do some fishing the old-fashioned way.' James was relieved, both to be rid of the powerful stone of Brighthelm and to not have to go back in the pond's freezing water. "'Now, I can't do anything about your garments,' Hegel said to James, "'but let's see how bad you're injured.' Reluctantly, James removed his tattered coat. The pain in his arm was only a dull throb, as long as he didn't move it. When he moved it, the pain made him wince. He also had the cold burn on his finger and a pain in his chest where the storm had blown something into him on the beach. Chimera's teeth had gone right through his coat and his jumper too. When he carefully pulled back his shredded sleeve, he had a series of red raw bite marks on his forearm, and the skin around them was blue-black with bruising. "'Just a bruise,' Hegel said. "'I think I've got something that'll help.' It didn't feel like just a bruise, but he gladly let the hedgehog smear some kind of brown earwax on it. Hegel was more concerned with the cold burn. "'Touching the stone isn't a good idea,' Hegel said, looking closely at the end of James's finger. "'There's nothing I can do. It will cure over time, and shouldn't be too painful, as long as you keep it warm.' Where he'd been hit in the chest was just a purple bruise. James wondered what it was, and realised the bruise was right behind a pocket in his coat. He checked his coat, and there— Inside the pocket was a small hardback book. It was old and the cover was so worn that he couldn't tell what it was called. He opened it up and it was in French. None of the others had any idea what it was. It was time to leave Hegel and go back home. James had a lot of explaining to do. In fact, when he got home, his parents didn't even ask how he got his injuries or how his clothes were damaged. It was obvious to them. It was the storm. James didn't even have to tell a lie. He just had to not tell the truth. He spent Sunday with his family. He got a new winter coat and a new school bag. 
he did manage to see Jenny and Asma for a few minutes in Preston Park. They had been to visit the Sentinelms, and he was on his way back from town. On Monday, he went into Breakfast Club, feeling a little excited. This was the last day to solve the cryptograms. It was also the last week of term before the Christmas holidays. Before he could think about the puzzle sheets, however, he had to recount his adventures from the weekend to the rest of the Green Hands gang. Wilf and Queenie had arrived late to the Marquis on Saturday and had not seen James or Jenny at all. The buzz around the school, though, was not about James and Jenny's daring actions, but about the sudden and unexpected storm. It was not the first time that the forecasts had missed something big, and it would not be the last. Upstairs in class, Mrs. Gently was back at her desk, or at least the puppet filled with two Persian cats was. James didn't ask her this time. He simply took the puzzle sheet from his tray and spent the whole day trying to crack the tenth cryptogram. By the end of the day, he was frustrated because he hadn't managed to decipher the final puzzle. He was sure it was a book cipher, but he had no idea what book it could be. It had to be a book that they had in school. And that could be found in every school. He resorted to trying all the common books he could find from the dictionary to a Bible. Even though he didn't solve it, he had managed to get further than all the other classes. 6S had also solved the Knight's cryptogram, but they had used two clues, whereas James hadn't needed any. He had decided, though, to keep his answers secret to help the Persian cats. At the end of the day, the head teacher came around to see how they'd finished up. Now, I know you deciphered at least seven of the cryptograms, but have you got any further? he said to the class, while looking at James. James stayed quiet. Actually, Mrs. Gently said, James has got a bit further, haven't you, James? He looked at his teacher, and she moved her awkward arm up and raised a thumb. James pictured the cats inside, operating the puppet. I, er, uh, we managed to crack all but the last one, James said. Splendid, the head teacher said. Then you will be going to the code-breaking exhibition on Wednesday. The ice-skating part is cancelled, I'm afraid, due to storm damage. There was a mixed reaction in class, but James was pleased with himself. He wondered whether his actions had helped change Mrs. Gently's mind. At the end of the day, he hung back to speak to her. This time, she walked into the classroom cupboard, and a moment later, the two cats walked out. We are leaving tomorrow the white one said. We have safe passage onward to our final destination. What? You're taking asthma somewhere else? They looked at him like he was stupid. This is one of the last refuges in the West, the grey cat said. We were only here in passing. Asthma will be coming with us to America. Oh, James said. Right. He left them and went to art club. It was the last club of the year and he spent it making snowflakes out of weird moldable plastic. He also had the puzzle sheet with him, as the competition was over, and he kept working on the tenth cryptogram. At home, he had a strange thought. He took the old book that had hit him in the storm, and opened it up. Although it was French, it did have page numbers, and the largest page number in the book 
was larger than the largest number in the cryptogram. He sat down at his desk and checked each element of the cryptogram against the book page line and word. He ended up with a list of 13 French words. It didn't look like they made a sentence, or any sense at all. Then he took the first letters of each word. Again, it made no sense. Then he took the last letters, and they spelled out this message. The Poet Dryden. It seemed, to James at least, unlikely that the book would produce a readable English string without it being the right answer. Still, he couldn't help but wonder why the competition would hinge on a random old French book that he'd never heard of. Tuesday was Asthma's last day, and Mrs. Gently's too. Nobody at school mentioned it, though. It just was. On Wednesday, 6K took a bus to Brighton Museum. Even if the children weren't interested in the code-breaking exhibition, they were interested in being out of school. James did enjoy the exhibits, especially the Enigma machine. Apparently, it was on loan from an author called Simon Singh, who'd once written the book about codes. The Enigma machine was being looked after by an assistant of Simon Singh's, who was a mathematician herself. She explained how it worked, and even let James try encoding a message. It turned out it was the assistant that had put together the puzzle sheets for the school competition. Between them, they talked about the different codes and ciphers that she used and how James cracked them. When they got to the book cipher, she explained, For a really difficult book cipher, you want to make sure that it's a less common book, to avoid the chance of someone breaking it. I understand that, James said, but I thought that you would use a more common book for the competition. What do you mean? The book is a very common one. Hang on. Is the deciphered message the poet Dryden, he asked. Yes, well done, she looked impressed. Nobody so far has deciphered it, and I've been running these competitions around the country for two years. I was beginning to think the clues are too ambiguous, but you've proved me wrong. I didn't do it using the earlier clues, James said. I did it by luck. I mean, I worked out it was a book cipher, but the book choice was pure luck. He dug around in his new rucksack and pulled out the old French book. This is what I used as the key. The assistant took the book and turned it over in her hands. Then she opened it and read a few pages. I've never seen this book before, she said. My French isn't great, but it looks like a copy of The Prophecies by Nostradamus, and I think that it's old enough that no two copies would be the same. Using this book would be useless. But it worked, James said. And if you didn't use this book, what did you use? Well, I wanted to make sure that all schools had it, so I used The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. The chances of two different books working as the same key are astronomically small. In fact, I'd expect that the only way it could happen would be if you worked backwards and wrote the book using the cipher. Instead of ice skating, the head teacher decided, much to the children's delight, to get ice creams and eat them in pavilion gardens. James told Jenny what the assistant had said about the chances of two different books being used to decipher the tenth clue. It's not that surprising, Jenny said. The oratel said that the stone could help, and it did. After all the excitement around the stone of Brighthelm, the Christmas fun for the last days of term seemed relaxing. The good news, at least as far as James was concerned, 
was that Mrs Kingsbury would be back after the holidays. James made sure to add more details to his notebook. His arm was feeling much better, thanks to Hegel and to time. The hedgehog was right about his finger, though. When he washed his hands in cold water, the burn from the stone hurt like a sensitive tooth. On the last day of term, when the school day ended, the Green Hands gang gathered together at the school gate. They agreed to meet on Boxing Day in the playground of Preston Park, and they all said they would keep an eye out and be ready for any adventure that came their way.